0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: And you know, the interesting thing is we find, like Paul did, we find that when we finally do come to Christ and as we look back and as we grow in the Lord, we realize that all of those experiences, good or bad, we realize that somehow they play into what God has ultimately planned for us.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 in a message titled, The Call of God. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: So here we are in Galatians once again as we pick up our study here. And we're going to focus in on verse 15 of chapter 1 today, but I want to remind you of the, the bigger context of, of the epistle. So as we, as we look through and as we read between the lines, we see that Paul had gone into the region of Galatia, and there was a very warm reception to his ministry, and many turned to Christ, and, and there was a beautiful, sweet Work that was taking place. They were filled with the Spirit and miracles were happening among them. And, you know, it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. You just get that feeling that it was a sweet, sweet work of God that was taking place there. But then something happened uh, after F- Paul's departure. And what that was is that false teachers came in and they began to insist that trusting Christ alone for salvation was not really enough. What they said was that people needed to also keep the Mosaic law. But not only that, they also suggested that Paul wasn't really preaching the real gospel, that his gospel wasn't the true gospel. And they also suggested that Paul wasn't even really an apostle. Now, remember, Paul was not part of that original group of men who were with Jesus during his earthly ministry, but his apostleship came later. So these false teachers, they took advantage of these things, and uh, they tried to discredit Paul in the eyes of the Galatians. So in verse 11 of chapter 1, Paul begins the defense of his apostleship. And, and this is going to go through the second chapter. And so these first two chapters of Galatians are uh, a historical narrative. They're, they're really quite fascinating because we learn things in these two chapters about things that were happening there in the early church that we don't learn in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is, of course, that overview of the early days of the church, that historical overview. And we learn a lot of things in the book of Acts, but there are certain things that are not there. And Paul sheds light on that in these two chapters here. So it's, it's pretty fascinating as we look at it. But as he begins a defense of his apostleship, he does that by, first of all, laying out the facts of his former life in Judaism. And then he speaks of his conversion and his calling. And then he also will speak of his relationship with the other apostles. Because remember, they're saying, well, he's not a true apostle. You know, he's not one of those who was originally with Jesus. And Paul's going to, you know, tell them that although he's not part of that original band, uh, he certainly is familiar with the apostles, especially Peter. And in these two chapters, he's going to talk a lot about his relationship with Peter and about you know, some of the things that transpired between him and Peter. So it is all quite fascinating. So let's look at, let's just kind of walk through the verses here and, and look at what Paul says a little more closely. And then as I said, we'll come back and we'll really zoom in on verse 15. So he says in verse 11, but I make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man for I neither received it from men nor was taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the first thing he does is he, he just pushes back on that idea that his gospel isn't really the true gospel. And he says th- this gospel, he didn't even learn it from men. It was the Lord himself who taught Paul this gospel. Remember, The other apostles had a three-year training period with Jesus. But what Paul tells us here is that he also had a three-year training period with Jesus. And that was actually something that took place kind of privately in the Arabian wilderness, no doubt near Mount Sinai. So he is gonna touch on that here in a moment. So he says the gospel that he preaches is not from man, he received it from the Lord. But then he talks about his former life. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries and my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Now, remember, these, these men are coming in under the guise of being uh, experts in the faith. And they're coming in as, um, you know, part of their credentials is, you know, we're Jews. And we know that uh, the gospel is incomplete without that addition of the Mosaic system. So right here, again, Paul is pushing back on that. And he says, well, you know, let me remind you of my former Life, my former conduct in Judaism. He persecuted the church. He was so zealous. But then he says, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. So it's like Paul saying, you know, these people are presenting themselves as somebody important coming to you from, from Jerusalem, perhaps. He says, well, I have credentials too. And I excelled in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. Paul was a student of a man named Gamaliel, and Gamaliel was the leading rabbinical authority of Paul's day, and tradition tells us that that Paul was really Gamaliel's number one student. And so he was looked at by the leadership in Jerusalem, the Jewish leadership, as uh, you know, somebody who was really going to to rise up and be a powerful force for the future within Judaism. But then, of course, something happened. And that was his conversion. And he goes on to describe that here. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus then after 3 years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter remained with him 15 days but I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God I do not lie afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. So he's just setting the record straight here. He's, you know, they've been influenced by these false teachers and Paul just walks them right through. No, my gospel is from the Lord. My background is I I excelled beyond them all in Judaism. I know what I'm talking about. And then, you know, describing his own conversion and and his own calling, and then talking about his own experience with Peter, which he will go into more detail in the second chapter. But for our purposes today, let's zero in on verse 15. So in verse 15 and 16, he speaks, first of all, uh, he says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. And this is such an interesting statement because if you think about it, you know, Paul, Paul is saying that, um, you know, his calling as an apostle, it was something that went back to his, uh, at the time of his birth. But of course, if we looked at some of Paul's other writings, we would know that he understood that it went back even further than that. Because the Bible tells us that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so Paul could have said that, but, but for his purposes here, he just goes back to his birth. But think about that, because between his birth and his conversion, we have all of these other things that transpired, persecuting the church of God, trying to destroy it. And, you know, as you look at that, you think, well, you know, how could Paul say that he was separated from his mother's womb, and yet he ended up doing all of these things. And, you know, we might have a similar question when we think about our own lives at times. We might wonder, like, wow, Lord, how, how was it that all of this stuff happened? You know, between you know, the time that I was born and, and when I finally came to, to know Christ, all, all of this other stuff. And, you know, for some people, it might be tragic stuff there it might be really terrible stuff horrific stuff and you think well you know did god know about that well he did and what paul is expressing here is what we call the sovereignty of god the sovereignty of god means that in the end god is really overruling all all of the affairs of life and even those things that are transpiring when we don't know him and you know the interesting thing is we find like paul did we find that when we finally do come to Christ and as we look back and as we grow in the Lord, we realize that all of those experiences, good or bad, we realize that somehow they, they play into what God has ultimately planned for us. And so Paul would look back and he would see that even though he was deceived, even though he thought he was serving God by persecuting the church. He would look back and see himself as the chief of sinners. Even though all of that was true, he could see God's sovereign hand in all of it. And those things would be then the platform to some degree by which Paul would minister in the future. And, you know, I I think of um, our speaker, Dr. Ewan, remember? as he was here with us. And, you know, he, he's got this amazing platform. He's got this powerful story, but it's connected back to much of what happened in his life before he knew Christ. But it's that, it's those very experiences, as sinful as they were and as horrible as they were, it's those very experiences that are the basis in some ways for the ministry that God has given him today. So it just it just shows us that God redeems even the tragic, sinful, evil experiences in our life. And, and this is true uh, for, for all of us, really, because when, when we look back at, at our past lives, we can see similar things, can't we? I've seen this in the lives of so many people. I've seen it in my own life. I think of you know, my experiences and growing up and my, my family situation and having a broken family and you know, living amongst uh, drugs and alcohol and all of those kinds of things. And they were all horrible things. And they were things that I was involved in as well. But I have found over the years that those things have been somewhat of a platform to minister to other people. And so Paul looks back and he sees that the separation to God was from birth. But then he says, he speaks of his calling. God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me. And that's what happened to him. There was that moment where this, there was this undeniable encounter, this call from God. But it wasn't that this was the only time that this happened. You see, the Lord had been calling Paul, but he had been resisting the call. And we know that he had been calling Paul because when, when Jesus did appear to him on the road to Damascus and when he was finally converted, Jesus, or as he appears in that light, you know, Acts chapter nine tells us the story, that light that's, that's brighter than the sun, and a voice speaks to him, "'Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?' Saul says, "'Who are you, Lord?' he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then he said this, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. What does that mean? Well, what that's referring to is the fact that that Paul was resisting the call. The Lord had been dealing with him. The Lord had been convicting him. The Lord had been calling him. And I would guess myself that when he was there at the stoning of Stephen, now remember. Perhaps you remember, some of you might not. But in Acts chapter seven, we have Stephen, this young man in the early days of the church, we have Stephen giving this powerful testimony before the Jewish leaders, the the leaders of the nation. And he, he walks them through their whole history and shows them that they're doing just exactly what their forefathers did. They rejected God, they rejected the prophets, and he shows them that you're doing the same thing and rejecting the Messiah. And they were so incensed at him that they rose up against him, they threw him out of the city, and they stoned him to death. And we read there that while they were doing that, they laid their garments down at the feet of a young man named Saul, So he was there when Stephen was being stoned. And he would later say that he consented. He gave his voice against those who were being put to death. And and undoubtedly, he was referring to Stephen there. But you know, he was convicted. And Jesus said, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. You see, when he heard Stephen lay this out, you know that in his heart, he was like, you know, there's truth to that. But he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to submit to that truth, because of course that meant that his whole life was gonna be rearranged and he was on a good path and he wanted to stay on that path. So the conviction of the spirit, he keeps resisting it, resisting it, but there finally comes this moment where Jesus encounters him in a powerful way on the road to Damascus and it's here that he surrenders, it's here that he submits. And again, you know, for us, there, there comes that time, I think many of you could identify with this as well, I know I can. Uh, there, the Lord was dealing with me for a long time, and I was resisting. I was just, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I, I don't want to yield my life to somebody else's authority. And so I would would come under conviction, and I would recognize that th- there were sins in my life and things that I knew that, you know, needed to be dealt with, but I just kept pushing back against that conviction, but there came that moment for me, like there did for many of you as well, where the call, and it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's irresistible, but it's a call that's so powerful, you're just confronted with it, and you, you've got to do something with it at that moment, and that's what happened to Paul, who was at that moment, Saul, on the road to Damascus, and so he describes being called, and notice he says, who called me, separated me from the mother's womb and called me through his grace, through his grace. Now, when you looked at who he was, you would think that God's dealing with him should have been not to call him to salvation on the road to Damascus, but to destroy him and cast him into hell forever. That's what it seemed like he deserved, right? Because he was on his way to Damascus to continue his rage against God's people. And again, later he tells us in different places where he's sharing his, his testimony through either the book of Acts or his writing to Timothy. He talks about being exceedingly enraged against the Christians and going from place to place and uh, arresting them and putting them on trial and putting them in prison and casting his vote against them when they were put to death. And, and all of this is happening with him and again you would think okay this is a guy that needs to be judged this is a guy that needs to be uh, you know God needs to zap him and not just knock him down and get him to repent but he just needs to just obliterate him get him get it get him get him off the face of the earth but God doesn't do that he meets him he calls them by his grace. And once again, that is true with all of us, isn't it? You know, sometimes in our minds, we think that people who end up in church, people who end up Christians, you know, they ended up there because, you know, after all, they were, they were always basically good people anyway. And, you know, as good people, you just, where are you gonna go? You just end up in church finally. And you end up, you know, being a Christian because, you know, you're a good person and that's what Christians are, right? No, that's, that's the myth but that's not the truth. The Bible tells us that anyone who becomes a Christian, anybody who's saved, anybody who's sitting in a congregation and genuinely believing in Jesus is there by the grace of God. Not because we deserved it. Not because God looked down and said, wow, you know, hey, look, check that out. That, that's a pretty good one. Let's, let's get that one for our kingdom. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're already halfway there anyway, so we won't have much work to do. But that's not the way it works, is it? No, God sees us, and he sees us in all of our sin and all of our wickedness. And, you know, for some, it's more uh, obvious to others that that's our life. For some, that's not so obvious. But yet God knows our hearts, and it's always in the end by God's grace. Like Paul would say in another place, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And for anybody who is a believer in Jesus, that is the truth. By the grace of God, we are what we are. It's because God just looked at us and had mercy on us. And that's true for everyone. There's not a single person that's saved by anything less than God's grace. But then Paul says that he called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. To reveal his son in me. Or to reveal his son by me is the idea. So God has called us. He called Paul that he might reveal Jesus to others through Paul. And you know, the same is true with us. God has called us that he might in turn then revealed Jesus to others by us. God reveals his son to people through other people. And and probably for all of us, at least, you know, to some degree, we we would have to say that there was, you know, there was a person that we saw Jesus in or we saw something different in that person. Now, that might not be the case for everyone. But I think for many, that would be the case. And, and that's, I think, most of the time, the way God works. I mean, sometimes, obviously, he can just do that without any person being involved. But oftentimes, this is it. There, there's a person, you, you observe them, you listen to them, you watch their life, you see that they're different. And you realize, you know, there's, there's something there about, about this person, then you find out, well, they're a Christian, they're a follower of Jesus. Well, that's interesting. And what's happening is God is revealing his son through people. And that's what he wants to do through us as well. He wants to to show himself to others. God, of course, is invisible, right? How do we know that there's a God? Well, Romans chapter one says that we know there's uh, the invisible God is revealed by the things that are seen. The creation tells us that there has to be a creator, but the invisible God is also revealed through people who are made in his image and we see certain people that are different they stand out and that's because Christ is in them but then finally he says that he was called to preach him so called me through his grace to reveal the son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles and this of course was Paul's calling to preach Christ among the Gentiles and just a bit of a side note it's really interesting the way God works and, it, and with Paul and specifically what he says here uh, about his preaching among the Gentiles. This is one of those, those twist on things that you find that God often does. So you, you want to reach two groups of people. You want to reach Gentiles and you want to reach Jews. So you're looking for somebody that can really connect with these different groups, Right. So you get a resume from this guy named Saul and his resume reads, you know, student of Gamaliel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. And and you look at that and you go, wow, look at this, man. This is the apostle to the Jews. This is the guy. Look at his resume. He knows Judaism like the back of his hand.
0: For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you, that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians.